With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The all-electric Kia EV6, with up to 528 kilometres of range. And Toolmark, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. As we welcome Stan Lazaridis to the program. Uh, how are you going, Stan? Hey, Pete. How are you going? Uh, good, thanks. Well, I know the Socceroos will now try to emulate the efforts of the golden generation of which you were part of when they go up against England's best in London on Saturday morning, our time. It's a Friday night game at Wembley Stadium. And of course, 20 years ago, a Socceroos team headed by the likes of Kjulva, Duka, Lazaridis recorded a 3-1 victory over the old enemy, which was a special moment. So the reason I've got you on is to relive that 20 years ago. It probably seems just like yesterday, Stan. Oh, yeah, look, it's, they're good memories, um, that's for sure. Um, I will say, you know, um, the England team at that time was quite star-studded, you know, from like 1 to 26 or 28. But um, it was a cracking night at Upton Park and, you know, we're always up against it. And I, and I guess I think from England's point of view, they probably thought we'd be probably an easy game that night. I probably didn't take it as um, uh, as they normally would. And we just kind of came out all guns blazing. We all played well, gelled really well. And it was an exciting game. Plenty of our fans were there because all the expats that live in England came and support. It was a really, really good night. Certainly when you look at England, they had some big names. You know, Michael Owen, yep. Frank Lampard, Paul Scholes, yep. and one David Beckham played in that game. That's right, yeah. We, and a young uh, Wayne Rooney came on second half as well. So, oh, look, it, it, it was uh, Sven Goran Eriksson, I think, was the manager at the time. Um, and I guess it was just one of those games that I just think we probably were underestimated a little, and I think... You know, at half time we probably should have been a three or four nil up, and Sven Goran Eriksson kind of panicked and just swapped the whole team. Um, but in, in saying that, I mean, I think it was that moment that I think England really had a look at each individual Australian player and thought, "Hang on a minute, these guys are really good. Look where they're all playing." You know, Leeds, Liverpool, um, in the Bundesliga, in City, uh, La Liga. You know, we're all playing at the highest level, playing week in, week out. So, really, it shouldn't have been a surprise, but it, but it kind of was. And, um, and then we tried to, obviously, get rematches um, every year after, but <laughs> England turned them down. And it's nice now that, we, you know, obviously, um, the guys get to play again uh, on Saturday morning. It's amazing, actually. The Socceroos last played England, I think, in 2016, and they lost 2-1 at yeah. Sunderland's Stadium of Light. Uh, in that game 20 years ago, Stan, can you recall yep. whether Australia was dominant, as the scoreline suggested? Yeah, very much so. I think 3-1 flattered England, if I'm being honest. I think, really, it probably should have been something like 6-2 or 6-1. Um, you know, you had a, a red-hot Harry Kuehl, um, Viduka, Popovich, 
Craig Moore in the back. There was myself, Scotty Chippewa, Skoko, Emerton, Lucas. Now, I mean, the team, and then all the guys on the bench that came on as well were awesome. So we were, I think we were just up for it. We were really up for it. I guess, I don't know, part of the reason was we probably thought we were going to be walkover. It was going to be an easy win for England. And, um, and we came out well fast. We were kind of closed England down, didn't give them the space. Um, the guys like David Beckham, uh, we obviously stopped him from obviously using the ball where he's so good at crossing. And we, we just stuck to all our jobs and, um, you know, we scored the goals. I think that was it. Harry Kill was just on fire. Um, and it was just, a, I think every player played probably one of their best games. So when you get a collection like that, um, it made for a good night. It's interesting, uh, just at the moment, we've seen the Beckon documentary that's on Netflix, yeah. which is very, very interesting. I've caught half of it, and I'm yeah. actually intrigued and hope to complete it across the weekend. How big a figure was he then in tw- 2003? Yeah. As we know, he's a worldwide figure now. Oh, no, he, he was. I mean, it was just, it wasn't just him as a footballer. It was just his whole persona, his brand, um, you know, he was adored by all of England, but equally then he wasn't because, you know, um, as you've seen, he got a red card in the World Cup. And then, you know, so he had these kind of, um, he was always up against the media, were always following him. It was hard. He's a very, very nice man, I will say. You know, he's an absolute gentleman, great player. He conducted himself really well throughout all his career. He was married to, obviously, uh, Victoria Beckham or Victoria's whatever, Pospice, whatever you want to call um, and so, you know, they were like a big, massive brand. But, you know, I guess our equivalent was Harry Kill. Harry Kill was our big kind of player. And he was huge as well at the same time. So, um, yeah, they, look, it's, their, their kind of lives don't stop because, they, you know, they play on the field and then, then they're secluded because if they go out anywhere, the paparazzi are all over them. Yeah. Well, you were an integral part of the very first goal, Stan. Australia went 1-0 yeah. up against England in the 16th minute. Yeah. One of those uh, great looping crosses that you sent over from the right. Yeah. And a man that we know very well here in Perth because he coached the Perth Glory yeah. for a while, Tony Popovich, headed the opening goal on that yeah. day. Yeah, he did, actually. We, we kind of worked on that. But it was a, it was a, trained, it was a training exercise that we worked on where where Papa would peel off and uh, we had Harry Kuehl and some other, uh, yeah, some other players kind of run in, the Dukes run in. And I think England just let kind of Tony ghost in at the back. And Papa is very, very good in the air, really underestimated in the air just how good he is. And once, it, once I could see it going to him, I said, I'm thinking, we, this is going to be a goal here. And the ball came over really nice. I managed to hit it with the, a, a bit of whip. So... You know, Popper didn't have to do too much. And, um, and yeah, we went 1-0 up. And then, then you got this confidence and we got this buzz about, about us that we said, right, <laughs> you know, we're, uh, we're right in this game. We're 1-0 up. Uh, a very, very good chance. I don't know, it just really boosted us after. We all looked at each other and goes, right, we're going to win this. So mm. um, it, that was that sort of feeling. Um, and it was electric at Upton Park for any of the listeners or, or, or yourself, Pete. Yeah, it was one of those grounds that was really compact. So you could hear everything. Uh, the fans were only a few metres away. It was just such an enjoyable stadium to play at. And, and that particular game was just awesome to be at. I think Harry Kuehl and was it Brett Emerton who scored the other two yep. goals for Australia? 
Correct. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Harry scored the second, which was, I think it took on about four or five players, and uh, Rio just couldn't keep up with him. I remember Rio Ferdinand, and Harry was just, just bullying everyone. He was just so, so good that night. Um, yeah, it will just go down. I guess if I had to liken it to something, now you might laugh, but if anyone has ever seen the movie Rocky Four with Rocky Balboa and Ivan Drago, <laughs> yeah. we were Ivan Drago. So we were the ones <laughs> that came in and, and just, you know, I'm not going to say the words that Drago says, but we were like that in Rocky Four, and Rocky Balboa just uh, was shocked. And that's what England was. So, so look, uh, probably a poor analogy, but it was just such a good night, and I think it was... The world opened up. England kind of really then just analysed each player. And then, of course, you know, the next wave of players came through. The Brescianos and the Grellas and all these sort of players were then launched through. Timmy Cahill, um, it paved the way for the next kind of 10 years of really good Australian footballers coming through. Stan Lazaridis, uh, we've got on the program a couple of final questions. Stan, did you get booked in that game for a, uh, a challenge on Beckham? Is that correct? I, I certainly did. I'm glad you mentioned that because even David Beckham came up. He goes, he's he's good. You know, he's trying to get the yellow card rescinded. Um, he was so nice to me. I remember at the time, and he said to me, "Please don't book him. He's, he's probably he's the one that's always getting tackled." And um, yeah, he was really good. He stood up for me at that time. Um, so it was, it was a good comment. So it was just for a challenge, was it, on, on Beckham? Yeah, I mean, obviously he was always... I wouldn't say the word protected, but, you know, he was special. You know, he's a special player. Um, referees were always mindful. He was always getting late challenges put on, but it, but it certainly wasn't a late challenge by me. It's just... I, I think it was a fair challenge, but uh, I got booked and I just had to be careful for the rest of the game. I'm not getting a second yellow card or getting sent off. Mm. Well, it happens on Friday night in the UK at Wembley Stadium. Yeah. They're forecasting 90,000 people to be there uh, yeah. for the international yeah. friendly. Uh, Ange Postacoglu spoke to the troops in the last 24 hours. Gus Hinnick also uh, went there to meet the players. So both yeah. Postacoglu and Hinnick uh, giving their words of advice not to fear their English and, and go out and be proud yeah. to be Australian. How do you think they'll go? Yeah. Oh, look, it's going to be it's a bit tough. But again, you know, um, someone like Ange, I think, at this present time, giving his speech, I think will be a great morale boost uh, to the players. I mean, you know, he's my hero at the moment. You know, I just, I love Ange. Everyone loves Ange and what he's doing for Australia. Um, and, you know, he's leading us, you know, as, as, you know, as a pinnacle for us. All the players would look up to that. Um, look, it'll be tough. I could probably see the game ending up in a draw. Arnie's done, doing a good job with the, with the guys at the moment. Um, and it, it's really good for the players individually to kind of showcase, um, you know, themselves in front of 90,000 and the rest of the world. So I think for the players, it'd be really exciting. Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching it. Uh, thanks for joining us, Stan. And I really enjoyed, actually, through your words, reliving uh, that special moment in Australian <laughs> football 20 years ago. Well done, yeah. mate. Thanks for sharing it with us. Thanks, PD. Take care.